0: Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled, A Study of Prayer, based on the book, How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson four is three keys to effective prayer. Key number one. We're going to continue on in an installment about how to pray Uh, and as I opened the lesson last week I said that so much of this is really it's a common sense view of what we should be doing and yet sometimes a common sense view is a great thing in that it reminds us of things that we know already but we just need that little bump that little uh, push from the Lord that we get it enacted again well uh, as we begin we're going to talk about in in the next three sessions, three keys to effective prayer. Uh, And we will study one per session for the next three. Uh, Well, of course, you know, all of us here have keys. Keys to our house, keys to our car, keys to an office, keys to a bank box. Uh, In fact, when you lose those keys, it causes some consternation, doesn't it? We bought a we bought a car back in August last year, and I have lost my key, and I just hate it. I have torn the house apart looking for that key. There's a reason for that, because to replace it is four hundred and sixty dollars, and and I'm a little tighter than that, so I'm gonna continue to look and pull the drawers out, see if I can't find it. But we all know that we have keys, and the reason we have keys is because we have private space or space that we are uh, going to reserve for our usage God's throne room the place that we meet him we have a key to that precious place as well and the key is prayer that's the access to God's throne room Uh, but here's a statement that we need to hear God's throne room is not the place where we get hold of God. God's throne room is a place where God gets hold of us. Prayer is making ourselves not just available, but surrendered to the will of God Almighty, that He hears us, but He also directs us, that He gets hold of us, sending us in the directions where we need to go. So often we think about, I need to get hold of God in prayer for my needs. But so many times we forget that God is the one who needs to get a hold of us to send us in the directions that He wants us to go. And we can go to that throne room anytime. We can go to that throne room about anything. There is nothing too big that we cannot tell God, there's nothing too private that we cannot tell God, there's nothing too small. That we cannot tell God. He is always there and he's always available. And he answers according to the word of God. He answers every single one of our prayers. Our prayers are precious to him. And I believe that if if you have sincerity uh, in your life as a believer. And I don't know how you can not be a true believer. Not have a sincerity in your life about wanting what God wants. You're going to have a sincerity about wanting a prayer life if Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord we want a prayer life we want that connection we want that conduit of speaking with him and hearing him speak to us and answer us Uh, and as we've made plain in lessons before prayer time is not really complete unless we come to him with our our petitions and our needs uh, and and our joys, but also it's not complete if we get up and leave without allowing Him the time to speak back to us. So prayer is a give and take. We give the Lord our thoughts, our needs, our joys, but also we're taking in His Word to us and His time with us. So for the next three lessons, we're going to look at the three keys of an effective prayer life. Here's key number one to a powerful effective prayer life if you take a note this is the one note that you write down tonight one key to a powerful prayer life is we have to pray according to the will of God we pray according to the will of God Uh, you know if you've been a parent parenting has some different phases (laughs) Uh, and uh, I think we we see that If if you've been a parent you I see some smiles come across our faces uh, as babies and as children, our children are, and this is true for our, our, our children at home, and also I'm, I'm seeing it true for grandchildren now, they are hugely teachable. They're like these little sponges that take in everything. Be careful what you say, because you're going to hear it come back to you again. Uh, they are just these sponges that take in everything, and you have to realize that they are just processing everything that we're talking about Uh, in fact the the rule of thumb is that a child by five years old knows 95 percent of everything they will ever know and that includes their emotional development and how they are beginning to relate to people and and how they process information and their language is growing in those phases of time so as years go by Our children are taking in a lot of things. But as they get into the latter years of their growing up, when they get maybe into their latter years of 10, 11, 12, and on into their teen years, we begin to see a streak of independence in them. That's given by God. God wants these young people to grow up with independence. And we see that coming out of them in their teen years Uh, They may not be as teachable as they were in their little tiny years. They know a lot. They tell us that. And sometimes when they get to their latter teen years, we parents are not consulted much for counsel. Uh, We're seen as a little bit on the dumb side and we don't know a whole lot. But it's it's amazing and interesting that as our children grow into adulthood, we all of a sudden start getting smarter. And they come back to us with count for counsel and for advice. Uh, they return really in their adult years. They're leaving those teen years to be teachable again. And I've seen that happen. Uh, and I love that happening. I love those calls from our children who are asking us about... G- Gabe called Gwen like just before we walked out of the house asking her a question about life and how to take care of this section of his life. Well, as a child of God... We have to have a teachable spirit. And that's where all of that diatribe is leading us. We can't be so smart that we think we just tell God what we need and he'll take care of it like some holy bellhop who's going to be always at our beck and call and he's going to take care of our every need because we know what is best. Some people treat him that way. Some people treat God like a fire extinguisher that you only need him during a time of crisis. Uh, Right now, the fire extinguishers are here in this room. We've never had to use them because the crisis of a fire hadn't come. A lot of people haven't used God for years because they haven't had that kind of crisis that's driven them to Him. But we don't just go to God when we have a problem. We don't just go to God when we have a crisis. But in all matters, great and small, we are to be at His throne room. And one of our great comforts is that our Heavenly Father has no margin of error like we human parents do. God is never wrong. He is all-knowing. He is all-wise. He is all-sufficient. He has a perfect plan for every single one of us. Uh, He never keeps His will from us a secret. Do you remember in the Bible there's a word... And I, I, we've looked at this word uh, many a time over the course of my years here. The word is mystery. Bible says, I want to teach you a great mystery. But the word mystery in the Bible means it's something God knows that God wants us to know. He doesn't want it to be a mystery from us. But the only way we will know that information is by the revelation of God giving us that information. A mystery is something... Only God knows, and only God can give to us. I believe there are mysteries about our life that only God knows, but He wants to share with you and me about aspects of our life that should belong to Him and be given to Him uh, in worship and in service. He doesn't want to keep our life a secret. He wants to reveal to us His perfect plan for us. And the way that happens is through prayer primarily. Now, I believe that He allows us to walk through different events of life and we learn His plan for us. But primarily, I believe, it is that constant and ongoing prayer time with Him that reveals His will and we see His will for us. So, as we pray, we ask for His will to be done in us. We pray according to His will for us. Uh, take down this reference. It's 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. First John 5, 14 and 15. And this is what the verses say. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. In other words, we know the answers are going to come. We pray in confidence, but we pray according to His will. We don't pray according to wanting to assert our will on what we want to make God do, but we pray according to His will and how He wants to enact His will in our life and as an answer to our prayers. But Scripture says we go to Him in confidence. We don't have to worry that He's off or that he's not listening, or that he doesn't care, or that what we're going to tell him is something that's too small for him to pay attention to. We can ask anything in his name, and he will answer us. That The ultimate goal is to pray for what God wants. You know, it's, it's really a reversal of our will. Humanly, we want what we want. In the sense that we belong to God in salvation... It reverses our will that we no longer want what we want, but rather we want what He wants for us. And, and salvation brings that reversal of will that has to come. And we grow in that reversal of will throughout our lives. I'm still growing in that reversal of getting away from old Mike Fitzgerald and being completely surrendered to God Almighty. It's a growth process. It's part of sanctification Uh, Now, let me ask you this. Here's here's a question. I want you to give me some feedback if you can. Will God ever give you an answer to prayer that is contrary to his word of the Bible? No. That's a pretty easy answer, isn't it? No. God is never going to answer a prayer for you or me that goes against what his holy word already says. So, do we really need to pray about saying, Lord should I steal this object well I think you know the answer to that the answer to the prayer according to his word is absolutely not uh, Lord um, should I have should I have another relationship outside of my relationship with my wife absolutely that's a crazy prayer no I will say that I have had a couple some years ago who said you know we prayed about living together and uh, we kind of got the thumbs up we think it's okay I mean, you, you didn't get that answer from God. You, you didn't get that answer from him because he is absolutely saying, no, that's not my will for you. Uh, and I had a level with him saying, you need to take that prayer back. You, you, you didn't pray. You didn't listen to the right thing. Listen again. Go to this scripture because whatever God tells you is going to be in line with his word. So a major part of knowing God's will is already knowing what scripture says. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to pray. But you see a lot of the answers to your prayers and my prayers right here in His Word. Okay, let me ask you this question. As you pray, do you always instantly know the answer to that prayer? No. No. Sometimes it takes God, in His wisdom, a time to work out the answer to that prayer. Do you have any examples of something you prayed for and You had to wait a long time, or you're still waiting on the answer to that prayer? Do you have any example you can lay out there tonight about that? Permanent employment. (laughs) Long time. Okay, there's there's a really kind of a nerve. Praying for the salvation of someone in your family or in your circle, and it doesn't happen immediately. And, and how do you treat that prayer? What do you think is the answer to that? When that person has not come to the Lord and you've prayed that prayer, keep on praying. Clyde? Took that long. So from 1982 to 2004, the answer to that prayer was in process. Struggling the whole time. You know, and, and of course, biblically, we, we look at Paul who said, I had a thorn in the flesh, some physical problem. And I asked God to take it away three times. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians twelve eight. he said, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So what, what we're seeing here, I don't know what, how much passage of time there was between the three times that Paul asked to be delivered of that thorn in the flesh. But it was not until after the third time that he prayed that he got the answer. When God said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I'm not going to take it away. But I'm going to work through it to make you a better minister. I, I had a hand over here first. Wait a minute, Randy. Okay, Shirley. Okay. I can quit praying about that. because I, I think in Paul's situation, I think his resolution came and he came to the end of the line with that prayer, uh, and I've written the scripture down in verse 10, 2 Corinthians 12:10, when he said, okay, here, here's, here's my resolution. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And so he, he's saying, I believe, Paul is saying, here's the way I see God resolving this prayer. He has said, no, I'm not going to take uh, this thorn in the flesh away, although you've asked me three times to do so but I have come to the end of that prayer concern because he's given me the answer, when I'm weak, I'm strong. So I'm, I, I know now the answer is, I'm going to continue on as a minister knowing that God will use my weakness within my ministry to reach the world for Christ. So, so I, I think Paul came to the point of realizing he had his answer. Now, when it comes to praying for someone's salvation, and it doesn't, uh, we don't see the evidence of that Randy, is that kind of where we're going here? Move on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point because it, there are scriptural basis where Jesus said, just go on. if that town is not going to receive you kick the dust, move on. Ed I, I'd say keep praying keep praying for that one. Uh, let me let me just very briefly uh, something something that Bonnie said here about, Sometimes they kick you dust the, the dust off and move on because that's a job for somebody else coming. Uh, it stirred a memory here from the, the woman on the well, in the well, She's not in the well, the woman at the well. I'll get it here in a second. It's been a long day. She wasn't in the well. She was at the well. Uh, but uh, if you remember when, when uh, she'd gone back into the town and the townspeople were coming out and Jesus tells his disciples that uh, the fields are white for harvest, uh, I, I want you to remember... Uh, a, a verse, which is 438. This is as they were coming, uh, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. In other words, what he's saying is, somebody else has already been here. And they're, they're thinking it was disciples of John the Baptist. If you remember, I, that part of that sermon was about that. Uh, sometimes we're, we're taking up where somebody else had kicked the dust off and had moved on, but God has a plan, and 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 His plan never gives up on any soul. Uh, okay, one one more question, and then we got to, we got to get to on praying. Uh, if we pray according to God's will, and God has a will, and God has it all worked out, why do we need to pray? Well, why can't we just say, Well, God, you're going to work it out. We go, just just you just do it, do it your way. Why do we need to pray about it? And truly, as we close this little session tonight about praying according to God's will, uh, as we pray, we're not we're not praying to change God's will, but as we pray, God changes our will, and that's He He brings us to prayer so that we are changed and moved toward Him, and doing His will. Uh, prayer is not intended to change God. Prayer is intended to change me, uh, and that's why I want to come before him. Uh, Here's here's an example of that. When Jesus says, pray for your enemy, you cannot pray for somebody you hate. And so Jesus says, pray for your enemy because that changes my attitude toward that person I say I hate because you can't pray for someone you hate. So when you pray God's will upon that person who is called your enemy, it changes who we are toward that person. So prayer accomplishes much in us, and we want to accomplish that tonight. Uh, Randy, would you would you please open us with a word tonight of prayer? The floor is open. Let's just pray for God's will. Let's make that the specific tonight, praying for God's will in our lives, in our church, in our nation, uh, in these prayer concerns. Pray for God's will. And as you pray tonight, I would ask you to do this uh, humbly. Uh, If God taps you on the shoulder and says, lead us in just a word of prayer, use your big room voice so everybody can hear that prayer. All right, let's pray. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.